to show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Mats Podcast. The last few times I've been just saying, Welcome back to the podcast. And then some people have been like, What? Like, no, it has a name. So I guess I'll go back to the name. So welcome back to Off the Mats Podcast. I guess because I'm not allowed to just call it the podcast, dicks. So this week on the podcast, I am going to actually have a returning guest. It's been two years almost to the day. Yep. Since we had uh, my guests on here, and a lot has changed, so it was like, let's let's get reacclimated with each other. So, all the way from Portugal this time, I have Andy on the podcast with me. Welcome back. How have you been? Uh, I'm I've been good. Yeah, as you said, it's been two years, o- almost. Yeah, it'll it's uh, the the ninth of November. That's when you. Uh, in, in tw- when was it 2020 that was when yeah. I, you had me on here for the first time so a lot has changed definitely but it's been good 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 so uh last time we talked we we did a lot of heavy talk on jiu-jitsu and just you know that journey and everything i know over the last couple of years as i you know would do my my instagram spying and every so often you know go through the stories because people may not notice about me on instagram but i don't really like go through the feeds i just watch people's stories and then i start living vicariously through them like if you start doing something cool i'm like yes i do that too um so i know at you know one point you were uh doing a lot of surfing i was like that's pretty cool um and then like like you told me before we got into this you're in portugal now so what took place with uh the move and everything yeah so okay so last time i was on i was still living in belfast in northern ireland and then uh when you had me on about two weeks later i actually moved uh out of belfast out of northern ireland and i moved to england uh which was uh, during uh yeah it was during the pandemic still during lockdowns and uh because my friend a friend of mine he had just opened a jiu-jitsu gym uh in in england in a little place called accrington uh, so i moved there and then uh, we were training one on one for a really long time, and I and at some point, you know, after lockdown, uh, the gym could open again officially, and uh, so I trained there for a really long time. But I had this job at uh, the bank, and it was a uh, customer service, and um, it was just so mis- malmanaged that at some point I just couldn't handle it anymore, and I had like a, basically a, a, a breakdown to the point where I literally from one day to the other without even trying to find a new job I just handed in my resignation I was like I'm completely over it I'm done and uh, so I did that and it was great and then I had to find a new job and I couldn't because everything was like too low 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 pay like it wouldn't be able to afford my training and my house and all this kind of stuff and uh, yeah so basically I was uh, screwed and uh and then because i have uh, language skills of course because i uh, speak multiple languages i got approached by a company in portugal saying like hey we can offer you a job all you have to do is relocate and i was like well that that's great i guess i'll move to portugal and that is how i ended up here just because of work and also I, because i was missing the sun to be honest because in england there's no sun <laughs> true 
True, or so I've heard. I've not been. That's part of the reason. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that that's. I I totally get like getting frustrated with the job and just being like, you know, fuck this, I'm out. I'm glad it, it worked out for you on the other end because, you know, that shit's it can be scary. So, you know, yeah. I get you. Are you still training or have, has that kind of taken a little bit of a, a dial down for you? Uh, no, I am actually training. Um, I, I didn't train for about 10 months uh, for uh, since moving to Portugal. Because uh, in the area where I lived, I, I don't live in, in Lisbon anymore now in, this, in the capital. I live a little bit outside of the capital. But uh, where I lived in Lisbon before, um there was not really a gym in my area there were there are gyms in lisbon of course there's plenty of them but they were just too far away from me and from where i used to work um so and uh the couple of gyms that i tried the level of english was so low that i just it was very hard for me to communicate with anyone and that just made me feel uncomfortable because i'm a really nervous roller around new people i need to be able to like have some kind of build some kind of rapport you know before i feel comfortable enough like actually properly rolling with them so and without communication you know where i'm going to build that rapport so i yeah that had to take a bit of a, a back seat um but then i when i recently well recently like a couple of months and I say a couple, when I say a couple, I mean like four or five months or something. <laughs> I moved ago, I moved to like a, a different area. So a little bit outside of Lisbon. And there's actually a gym 15 minutes walk away from me. Uh, and their, their English is uh, not the greatest, but there's a plenty of them who do speak proper English. And uh, sometimes if the coach and I, you know, we have some communication issue, there's always someone around who can help translate and stuff. Um, so yeah, th that's a lot nicer. I, I literally I had one training like one uh, training session there just as a trial, um, and it was like an, an immediate yes. I literally five minutes after the class ended, I signed up, and it was like, this is it. So yeah, since then I've been back to training properly. Good, that's good. And how frequently are you training right now there with them? Uh, it's four days a week. So it's a Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then the Friday is a no B class. Okay, cool. So it's almost kind of like, you know, business as usual, business as usual, you know, you know, back in the saddle type deal. So that's good. Um, where you're at right now, what's it like, I guess, like culturally, as far as just kind of out and about mm, like how people are you mean like how people are here and if they're different and stuff from what i'm used to or? yeah yeah yep mm, uh, it's very hard to say because um if there's such a huge gap in like you know how people are between like older generations and younger generations like older generations tend to be very traditional and like in every sense of the word, word like they how they behave and uh, the clothing they wear. Like sometimes when I look at older people here and the clothes they wear, I'm like, wow, this is like I'm back in the 1950s. And uh, so that's very interesting. But then, you know, younger people are completely different. Um, one thing that is very difficult for me is how hierarchical people here are. Um, 
because like uh, obviously I'm from the Netherlands and in the Netherlands we have a very egalitarian society if you are employed somewhere you you have a manager of course but your manager doesn't consider them in the power in a, a position of power they consider themselves equal to you they just happen to have a different function within the company that they're working in so your opinion is just as valued as a manager's opinion for example which i think is really nice then moving to the uk that already was quite different because it's far more like class oriented than it is back in the netherlands but still you can still usually address your manager by their first name and they will listen to you and they will try to like do something with your input if they see sense in it and stuff like that and then you come here and there's just it's like there's a complete wall like between you and management like your team lead you can talk to them they can attempt to talk to like upper management but usually there's just a complete wall and like upper management has all the say everybody else can just get the finger basically so that's very difficult for me because I like to talk a lot, you know, and I have a very strong opinion and I like to like just jump into stuff and say like, look, this is what I see. This is what I think. And I think you're all idiots. And then, you know, but in nicer words, but that is never <laughs> appreciated. <laughs> so, yeah, that's quite difficult for me. Yeah. It, yes. I, I'm very well aware of your, your strong opinion, which I am a fan of it because there've been plenty of uh, conversations we've had where I've been like, it's almost like when we talk, I know I don't have to hold my tongue. I can just be like, oh, okay. I know I can say these things, whether you agree with them or not, I know I can say, you know, what I'm feeling. And it's not like, you know, you catch hard feelings because you're going to say what you feel and, you know, it's it's a mutual understanding. So I, I kind of get, get where you're coming from with that. It's like here. Um there's so much, you know, tiptoeing around certain things, I guess, because of, you know, whether it be a political, you know, where you're working, you can't say a certain thing one way or the other, whether you're like, you know, I, I guess now, you know, there's the thing of the pronouns, which I don't care. I mean, you want to use a pronoun, use it, don't use it. But you got some places that are just so heavy handed with how they want to handle it. Either they want to lean all the way in or they want to like kind of shut you down. So it's, it's very edgy over here, especially now people are talking about, be careful. We're about to have a civil war, I guess. Yeah. Just trying to go to the supermarket. <laughs> yeah. It's lucky on this, on this side of the, uh, the ocean, we don't have that problem that much. Um, I know in, uh, in in America and in Canada and stuff, it's very like uh, difficult to talk about anything, especially regarding like uh, gender expression and stuff. Here it's kind of weird. Like the Netherlands, I hear, is getting more extreme to the point where they would prefer to remove your gender entirely off passports and stuff. Me, personally, I don't give a shit. But I'm not going to call my mom and my dad caregivers because they're just to me they're just my mom and my dad you know but if other people want to do you know if that you know if that floats your boat then go ahead be my guest it's not my problem but here in in uh, countries like uh, portugal and spain and italy and stuff it is kind of funny because it's very difficult to talk about anything uh regarding gender in gender neutral terms uh because 
even gender neutral terms are gendered here because every word has like masculine or feminine so even when you refer to things as gender neutral it still ends with either an a or an o making it either feminine or masculine so everybody's kind of like mm, yep we don't don't know so let's just let's just avoid the topic altogether <laughs> yeah. i mean i sometimes just feel like it's like look if, if you don't care you don't want to do it then don't do it if you want to do it then do it not sure why it's such a big fight yeah. um so i don't know but that that's just one of those weird things over here where it's like we we have to tap tap dance around all of it so um with with you uh training and everything now um because I, I know at one point you were coaching um, at the previous jump, correct? Yeah, um, um, when I was in England, I was uh, coaching uh, ladies' classes and uh, kids' classes as well. It's just right now you're just playing by ear and just training and, and trying to get your reps in. Yeah, currently it's really just focusing on uh, training itself. Um, I also, because I don't speak Portuguese, I wouldn't be able to really teach kids. <laughs> you know they're young they they can learn they can learn yeah yeah hand gestures <laughs> yeah no i think that right now it would be a bit difficult but um i am actually planning on moving back to england uh next year and then i'll be training back uh, I'll, I'll be back with my gym that i was training before but before i moved to uh, portugal and uh, hopefully, well, my coach there, he trusts me a lot. And, you know, obviously I speak English. Um, so hopefully he can either like let me co-train like ladies classes, because I think they're running them at the moment under the guidance of another blue belt. So hopefully they will be cool with me, like co-training or something like that. Okay. That's actually something I was thinking about the other day, because this came up in, in a group chat a while back about blue belts coaching and training like how do you feel about blue belts coaching i mean even though you, you you've coached and so have i you know uh kids classes and then you with the ladies class like when people say that blue belts shouldn't coach or really anything under brown but i think some places are saying like i guess as a blue belt coaching what would you see you know yourself if you saw another blue belt across from you coaching what would you be looking for uh from that person mm, well i don't that's a little bit hard to say like for one i do disagree with people who obviously i disagree with people who say that blue belt shouldn't be coaching um but maybe that's also because i come from a very different environment the gym where i originally started back in uh 2018 um uh, jiu-jitsu the guy who owns the place, he started his little training group when he was still a blue belt himself. And the reason was surely because the only place available was Gracie Baja. Um, now, I don't want to talk smack about anyone, but that, you know, me saying this should say more than enough. And um, so, you know, he, he just started the place when he was still a, a blue belt and he started with like one person and then you know that slowly grew and at some point he he managed to get his uh purple belt from a, a trainer like from outside and stuff who he now is still still under like 
you know, he's he's recently, well, recently, like last year or something, promoted to black belt and all this stuff, you know. Um, I trained with another guy who started his gym at blue belt. I've trained with people who started their gym at purple belt. And um, my coach back in England, he is a purple belt, and he got the full blessing from his coach, who is a black belt in several martial arts, uh, including, of course, uh, jiu-jitsu. And so I, I think when it comes down to blue belts and purple belts and, so, and stuff, teaching others, you should make a, a clear distinguishment because some blue belts and purple belts, they shouldn't train and they will probably, should, they should never coach anyone because they're competitors, for example, or because, you know, they're hobbyists. And the main reason for them getting their belt promotion is because they show consistency, not because they have like any specific talent or, you know, there's a lot of reasons why you can promote people. Um, and, you know, I think when you allow blue belts to teach, you should look at like, what are their long-term goals? So for me, for example, I don't really like competing. It's not my thing. It makes me feel uncomfortable because I'm just really nervous, you know? And when I step onto the mats for a competition, the only thing I'm thinking about is like, oh my God, someone is going to break my arm. And at the same time, I don't want to hurt anyone. You know, I'm I, I'm not in the business to like compete and get a five euro gold medal or whatever. It's not, you know but i like teaching and for me if i teach i get to explore uh techniques better and submissions better and it actually improves my own uh training and stuff as well so i i think when you look at that like you know what are people's goals and how do they communicate with other people uh you know what kind of passion do they have for the sport because obviously that can be different as well and when i when someone is uh, coaching me whatever level I'm happy enough for someone on a blue belt level to coach me through things because sometimes they're better at stuff than I am and what I look for them is like can they communicate things well and can they show while rolling that what they're trying to teach me is actually working if those two things if they can do those two things I'm happy enough feel free to teach me and then I'll, I can apply it somewhere else maybe I can improve on it maybe I can see like mm, actually it doesn't really work that well if you try to use it against people whose game you don't know, because obviously that is a contributing factor as well to techniques working or not. So, um, yeah, I think it's very, it really depends situation to situation, but yeah, that's what I would say, but I'm happy enough for blue belts and purple belts to coach. I agree with you. Wow. I think just hearing, because when I really think about it, I don't know that I've actually ever met anyone in person or had a an actual conversation with who felt like, oh, well, you know, blue belt shouldn't coach. Like one person, I think he had made a comment in the chat, because this is when I was coaching the kids class. And he was like, wait a minute, you coach? He was like, yeah, you know, it's kids class. I mean, and he seemed baffled. So that might've been the only person. Then like, I see a lot of regular, you know, online chatter about it, but you know, that's the internet for you. People have lots of shit to say, but nothing to really, you know, mostly just trolls like, you know, talking shit. So, yeah, I, I think that's where that kind of stems from that question just in my mind. Cause you're like, let me like have this conversation with somebody because maybe I'm just bugging out. <laughs> But, yeah, honestly, yeah. I think the, the biggest group that have a problem with uh, lower belts teaching and also with like uh, lower belts uh, uh, promoting other people. I don't mean like blue belts promoting white belts. Like obviously that's not 
gonna happen. But like, you know, there's there's places, for example, where brown belts, they own a gym, they're the head coach, and they will promote someone to blue belt or from blue to purple or whatever. Um, and I hear a lot of the, like the people who have a problem with that are usually people either in Gracie Baja or like somewhat, you know, gyms that, that used to be Gracie Baja and then changed their affiliation or whatever. Um, there's some things that you could say for like promotions. I'm a little bit, you know, to a certain level, I agree with it. I think you can, as a, as a brown belt, promote people like to blue belt. You can, as a brown belt, I think you can promote someone to a purple belt, but I think you should have the blessing of your, your personal, like your black belt coach, for example. But, um, yeah, overall, I'm just like, I think people that, that have those opinions that think that, you know, you can't do promotions and you can't do, you can't coach and stuff. They're just very, uh, I don't know. I feel like they're a little bit in a cold or something like that, to be quite honest, like, or have at least have some kind of cold mentality, you know? I know of a few, well, I wouldn't say I know, know them personally, but I'm aware of a couple, you know, uh, gym owners who started their gyms as blue belts. You know they're black belts now, mm-hmm. and you know even looking back on that and thinking it's like, well, I mean, you know the individuals who are super against that, it's like, I mean, it's not like the the blue belt was being reckless or anything. They're just like, oh yeah, let's come in here and learn techniques terribly, and I don't ever want to have a you know a higher belt come in here and you know try to show us things to do you know no it seems like you know the couple that i've known at least you know definitely embraced having other instructors come in to help and you know build that program and and teach you know whether it be you know guests you know you know teaching a class or just in general teaching them something then they take it back to the group so i think it's fine who else they can coach. I mean, as long as you know they're not, you know they're competent in, in that realm. Because again, yeah. like I said, every blue belt or purple belt for that matter should be coaching. You know, you got some yeah. people that are just they're about their business and they have no interest. And you're like, hey, can you show them how to do this? I I can, but it's gonna be fucking wrong because I don't want to do it. Like, oh goddamn! <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> fucking no hooking. Jesus. <laughs> Why? Um, I actually have a, a old friend who he, he's a you know really good guy, uh, blue belt, and I, I think he explains things very well. But I think he he's really into like the super flashy like moves and like just impractical things. And it's like, I mean, dude, we gotta crawl before we can can run. He's trying to do a marathon. I can't even, you know, walk to the, the fucking refrigerator yet. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's fucking weird, I tell you. Yeah, when I teach, I like to just stick to basics, you know, because I also I feel like as a blue belt, I, I have enough grip on uh, fundamentals and, uh, you know, some more, more difficult stuff to teach. But there's also a lot of stuff out there that I can do, but I'm, you know, maybe I make mistakes during, you know, when I, when I apply a move and I'm, I don't want to, I don't feel confident enough to, to teach people some more difficult techniques. So if I am teaching like with the ladies classes and the kids classes, I try to keep the the technique, you know, fu- foundational and, you know, easy to understand, but, but in generally, in, you know, technique that generally just work, don't require too many steps. 
um, and I'll never when it sometimes students they'll have questions you know like oh but uh, you know what happens if I do this or uh, can I not make a technique like you know look prettier sure you can ask someone who has a higher belt than me but not me please because I don't feel comfortable enough telling you so yeah I never do flashy stuff I like to just keep it simple and basic and then you know uh, yeah, just work from there. I think that's the best way, especially when you're when you're a lower belt, like a blue belt and stuff. And you know, that just helps you really uh, find more depth in your own training as well. And the more you explain the foundations, the the foundations, the better you become at those foundations. And uh, for me, that that the only thing you know that comes from there is good stuff. Because I really I noticed when I was uh, when I was teaching that my my grip on the techniques became so good that you know even when I was ro rolling with upper belts like higher than me I could still apply those 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 foundational techniques and just completely skipped all the stuff that wasn't that I didn't consider foundational and I actually got really really far with that you know so I think that's a that's a good way especially for a blue belt to just stick with that mostly that's why I also think it's best for blue belts to to teach like uh, beginners classes and and stuff like that and maybe take down classes because a lot of takedowns they come down to the same points you know you can just if you shoot in for a double leg you know there's not a lot that you're going to do from there most of the times it's like two three different outcomes that you have from there or if you decide to go for a single leg this is the most ideal outcome but if that doesn't work you can go and eventually you come you can go there you know there are very few things that you have to teach to make a technique good and you know, as a blue belt, I think those are the, the the starting points that you should have. I agree. Um, I'm a big fan of just fundamentals, just the, the the simple things. Because, and that's not to say you know, like in our advanced classes, when when you know they're learning all like the you know inverted and kiss of the dragon and, and you know matrix and you know entrance to the matrix and all these crazy things i'm like dude i can't spell most of that so i'm just gonna stick to omoplata uh -huh. like as i can spell that but i can't spell fucking kiss of the dragon but um you know it it's i, I think it's always important for blue belts to still take those those basic classes just to you know, fine tune the fundamentals because they're always going to be there for you. Yeah. Like Haja Gracie, you know, is you know uses you know your basic collar chokes, you know, on black belts and winning you know high level matches, you know, and that's you know that's say you know that you know everyone else out there isn't using you know other techniques, but it's like look, man, it's Haja Gracie, I mean, he's doing it. So yeah, and granted, he's special. He's a unique individual, big boy, but you know, still, it's like get really, 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 really good at those fundamentals, and it's easier to explain those things too, and just yeah. makes more sense. Yeah. Um, one of our coaches um, at my gym, he, he's a blue belt, and I think he does a great job because I think the important thing is is when you're handed a technique to explain, and his breakdown of the technique is great and it's not like he's trying to add and he does the same thing you know if we have a question if he can answer it he will but it's like look you know that specific scenario there you may have to speak to a higher belt for it just to be on the safe side because i you know i know how i can get out of that and i know how i like to do it but you know there might be you know other approaches to take as well so 
I always appreciate that. I think I appreciate that with anyone who's coaching that understands, like, I may not have all the answers or when they say this is what works for me, you know, versus saying this is the end all be all of how to escape this. It's yeah. like, it doesn't work for me, dude. Sorry. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think, and yeah, this is my, the problem that I have with a lot of coaches is that um, a lot of them, when they teach, especially when they're teaching, they don't allow you to tweak it, tweak uh, techniques in a way that works for you. And it's especially difficult if you are, for example, a woman, uh, because our center of gravity is in a different location in our body than in men, for example. And our strength is usually more centered in our lower body, whereas men obviously usually tend to have stronger upper bodies. And considering that most uh, coaches are still male, and but you know females, there's there's more women joining jiu-jitsu classes. For us, it's sometimes very difficult to make a technique work because of our different center of gravity, because our strength lies somewhere else than with men. And you know sometimes when a coach is teaching a technique that I know, for example, for me, I apply the technique differently because I know this technique already and I know that the way a man does it does not work for my body. So I tweak it so that it is the same technique, but it's a little bit different and it works for me. And, you know, I, in my opinion, a good coach will look at it and see like, that is great if that works for you. And they don't really see a fault with it and they allow you to and maybe also show it to people who have a similar body type as you or maybe who are also women, for example. I appreciate it. I think that is a good coach. But I think a lot of coaches are very stuck with the idea like I have the black belt. You know, I know I have the I know I have the knowledge of the universe, like stuck in my little belt, you know, and everybody else's opinion is trash. And then, you know, they get angry because you are showing another woman the technique that, that works for you rather than what the coach is strictly teaching. And that, in my opinion, that's a nightmare, you know, and just because you have a black belt doesn't mean that you know everything. You don't have the lived experience of someone else, you know, so sit down and allow that maybe someone else can tweak this a little bit so that it works for different people. That's one of the things I do enjoy about my coach right now. He's very open. You know, you know, other students will ask uh, questions in class, and he's open to the idea. Like, you know, there's more than just one way to get out of this, or there's more than just one way to do this move. Again, though, this is just you know my preference. That's what I'm teaching. It's comfortable to me. Um, you know, like he'll teach the bow and arrow choke, and you know, I know I learned to do the bow and arrow. You know, once you get your the back, you know, get the thumb in the lapel and then take the other hand, you grab the pant leg and draw back. And he had been recently showing go under the arm instead of grabbing a leg and draw back. For me, that that doesn't feel as secure. And, you know, he didn't, you know, chew me out for not doing it that way. He's like, you know, that's what works for me. He's like, and that one works for you. And I, I appreciate the hell out of anyone that understands, like, you know, this isn't wrong what you're doing. It, it's working. It's just, look, I showed it this way because it's a preference. And you know, I think for him in, in the explanation, it was easier to get to that place under the arm versus reaching down for the leg. It takes mm -hmm. a little bit more time to get there. So like, okay, that makes sense. I get what you're saying. I think just for me, you know, old habits die hard. So it was like, I'm going to go ahead and reach for that pant leg. I, I, I just feel better going there. So 
but yeah, there is that issue with, you know, black belts. And fortunately, I haven't encountered this with any black belts that have that mindset of like, well, I'm the black belt or, you know, th these are my rules and this is what I say. I haven't encountered that, fortunately. Um, but, you know, my coach is, is great about, you know, flexibility. And then even the black belts I've spoken with on, you know, on here and on Instagram. I love that they're just open to like hear you. If you say, "Hey, well, what about this? Like, how would this work?" And then you know they're not like gonna shoot you down. I find the people who, who tends to shoot people down, especially again on social media, tend to be you know lower belts who are claiming to be higher belts. We had a guy claiming to be a black belt and telling me one of the techniques that I reposted was was garbage and I should take it down. It's stupid. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, no, that, that's not happening. You know, you, you continue to berate me. I'm like, wow. And, you know, I'm looking, I'm like, you're a black man? Under who? Like, like whoever promoted you, like, wow. They definitely didn't look at your character. You're a shitty human. Um, <laughs> maybe he's not. He, he might volunteer. He might help old ladies cross the streets. I don't fucking know. Mm -hmm. But in that, in that interaction that I had with that guy, I was like, yeah, I wouldn't trust you with my grandma. <laughs> but yeah, I I completely agree with you across the board. Not that it matters. So I know at one point, like I said earlier, you were surfing. I guess here in the U.S., I get more so over in California. That's kind of a big connection: surfing and jujitsu uh, between the two. Um, what drew you to surfing? Had that always been something you were? you done or was that kind of a newer thing that just came? I was like, you know what, let me go ahead and give this a shot or, you know, let me return to it. Uh, yeah, well, honestly, I was just curious because like, I really like being in the water and on the water, preferably in the water. And, uh, and you know, you have like better weather here than in, in the UK and in the Netherlands. So uh, I thought surfing is probably a thing here. And uh, of course, here in Portugal, you have uh, Nazare, which has the highest, you know, close to or the actual highest waves in the world. Uh, so high that I would never know. That's a big no. Just no, because they're like highest skyscrapers. They terrify me. But I was like, you know, that there has to be a surfing culture here in, uh, in Portugal. And I was just honestly just very curious about it. So when I just moved here, I think pretty much the first weekend, I immediately signed up for just a serving class just to try it out and I uh, I really enjoyed it and then I uh, I bought like a package of like 15 classes or something um in the end I didn't actually continue surfing because it got to December and the water started to get really cold and I have terrible blood circulations in my extremities so there was just an absolute nightmare for me to be in the water and um I had a couple of uh, kind of scary experiences where the wind was just very, very heavy and, you know, it started to get really cloudy and I kind of got like separated from my, from my group. And I was just kind of like out in the open, like on the, the green waves. So, so the waves like further away and I was just there like, and waves just kept coming and kept coming and I was getting really tired and I could, didn't know where my group was. And at some point, I just got swept under and, you know, I was like, oh my God, it was a terrible experience. So I got a little bit like, you know, because of the season and because of the cold and stuff like that, I just kind of got deterred from uh, like doing it for a couple of months. 
and then you know i started getting back to fitness and jiu-jitsu and i was like oh my god i'm just too tired to just surf on top of that as well like i i feel like i like my body is just not getting a break so instead i made you know i purchased a longboard and i started longboarding <laughs> so yeah i switched from the water to the streets <laughs> fair transition my my buddy i want to say last spring um was out longboarding and he's always trying to get me to do these all these crazy things with him i'm I was like, no thanks. I, like, well, I guess the trade-off was, okay, I'll go longboarding with you if you come to uh, jiu-jitsu with me. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't come to jiu-jitsu with me, so I was like, well, I'm not gonna go longboarding. Fuck off. <laughs> like, that, that's how. To, that's how. This like, look. This is an equal trade thing. I'm not gonna go longboarding, fall off, crack my skull, and get laughed at. But like, if that's the case, you got to come get on the mat, get choked out by a twelve-year-old real quick. So I can laugh at you, because they can do it. Like, like <laughs> I got beat up by a fourteen-year-old. That's what that's what made me do jujitsu. I went for the trial. That fourteen-year-old beat me up, and then I was like, "Well, fuck! I got to stay here because I got to get my revenge." I never did. He was a guest on the podcast once. And I he was. Him, I was like, hey, that's like, awesome. He's like, "You're the only reason I stayed there because I was trying to whip your ass." For the next four years. <laughs> I did it. I never could. He, he was just that fucking good. So, yeah. like, yeah. Man, maybe I was just that bad. I don't know. But yeah, longboard and that's, you know, I see it. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I don't know that I can do that. I, I, I always say I have good balance until I get on the until I get on any kind of a, like board with wheels or roller skates for that matter. I'm like, fuck your balance, Dante. <laughs> yeah it's it's also it's not it's it is obviously about balance but it is also about just you know the, the biggest thing is just putting your weight in the right place because i remember when i was a kid i had a i had a skateboard and i never used it because the very first time that i tried it i immediately went flying backward because i just you know i was a kid and i had nobody to teach me so i didn't know where to the pla- to place my weight and i was like really straight up and stuff and i just went flying and i was like i'm never getting on a board ever again but then i you know i got another board and i happened to know that my uh my tl and my in my job my uh, team leader my job then he uh he was a longboarder as well in brazil he came from brazil and uh he used to do some crazy shit back there like they would steal you know those orange police cones and stuff like that they would just like blatantly steal them and then put them at the top of like a road that was going downhill like really steep downhill and then put the other ones at the bottom so you know that it looked like there was a blockade on the road and you know they'd be safe from cars and they just hop on their board at the top of the hill and just go down with like 16 kilometers an hour you know just barreling down (laughs) and you know there was a slight risk of death but they would do it anyway (laughs) So I had enough faith if he could do that, that he could teach me how to longboard. And then he was like, he was looking at my posture and he said like, yeah, there's just everything wrong here. Like your knee isn't bent and your like, your weight is too far back. And he also told me that my board was too small. So I bought a new board that was bigger and like bigger for my, you know, better for my height and stuff. Um, So yeah, then I, then I learned, but I'm, I have absolutely no doubt that if you have a good balance, you can learn how to longboard, but it's just best if you have someone to tell you like, you know, what, yeah, like how you have to do and like, 
you know, for me, for example, I was like really stiff as well. And I like was putting a lot of like strain on my muscles. I just wouldn't be able to last very long. And then he told me that I had to relax more and that I had to like kind of, you know, when you're dancing and you're like, you're kind of loose and swaying and stuff. That is how longboarding is supposed to be as well. So I learned a lot from that. And then obviously from what I learned from surfing, I could implement that as well a little bit. So, um, you know, to learn how to curve and uh, stuff like that. So I have no doubt. If you put your mind to it, you can do it. <laughs> I mean, well, it's like you're saying, you know, going down the hill, you know, there's there's certain depth that's involved with that, you know, risk of death going down the hill that fast. And I almost think it's like, well, I think there's kind of a level of like confidence too and fearlessness. So yeah definitely um i i remember i got rollerblades for christmas back in like 95 or something like that i don't know i was i was a kid and i was like yeah i got these rollerblades i was excited and they got me uh did they i don't think they got me like knee pads or anything and i remember uh opening them up going outside and trying to skate on the sidewalk Mm -hmm. And I fell pretty bad. And I was like, fuck these things. I'm not doing this shit ever again. They every so often I put them on. And then there are a couple of kids in my neighborhood that had rollerblades. And they were good. They were fast. They were moving. And I'm like, come on, let's go, you know, let's go rollerblade around the lake. And I remember just thinking, like, the lake is a little over two miles. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to go. Like this for two, because you know I wasn't like upright on the rollerblades. Like, like, like if you can see the video, like the image here, like most people on the rollerblades are like upright, like just straight. And I was like knees bowed in, like the, the you know the blades are like sideways, and I was just like, there's no way I can do this. Yeah, it's like impossible for two miles. And, you know, I made up some bullshit like, oh, I'm not allowed to leave the the uh, the, the neighborhood. I <laughs> like stay here. Meanwhile, I was just up the street fucking playing football like yesterday. Anything to not go rollerbladed. And I haven't revisited any kind of willed objects. Well, I remember also younger, we had a roller skating party at school. And I remember putting on the roller skates and I stood in the corner on the roller skates just kind of by myself and I slipped yet again. Bust my ass. And I was like, nope. <laughs> Fuck all this. I'm not doing it. And now my daughter, she wants to skateboard. And she's like, you know, Dad, can you teach me how to skateboard? I was like, I'm not the one. <laughs> like, no. Please don't, don't make me do this. <laughs> um, oh, but, that's, but that's cool. You know, making that transition, though. And, and also, I think that's um, another thought I was having there, too. The importance of you know, like you're saying, if you got good balance, you know, you can be fine, but it's good to have someone that can teach you. Or think about that with having the internet, we can learn anything on the internet. But the thing is, like, if you don't know how to learn, whatever mm-hmm. it is you're looking to learn from the internet, like, I want to do some video, like video editing. I don't know where to start. And I was like, but I have the internet and I'm going to learn this. And I was like, I don't know how to learn this. <laughs> Yeah, and it's also as you know when you're trying to teach a, or trying to learn a new skill it's also uh yeah you can sure you can learn mostly basics and stuff from the internet and there's also more complex stuff but if you don't grasp 
what is being said or when it comes down to something physical like yoga or skating or whatever you know sometimes you see something on a video and on the video it is clear and then you try to replicate a certain movement or a certain posture or whatever and you feel in your body that it is correct but you can't actually see your body you're probably still doing it wrong you know and it's so much better to have someone there to like correct you and so like with the skating you know see like correcting how tense you are or your posture and the same with yoga but even if you i don't know uh want to learn programming or whatever on online you know <laughs> if you don't have someone there physically with you to teach you or to show you like okay your code is right however this is a little bit clunky or this is where you're gonna get a bug or something you know it's very hard to uh to properly learn that skill yeah i think it is important to have you know, someone that at least kind of has a, a grasp of like the the smaller details or, you know, nuanced things that you may think, okay, like I said with yoga, if you're doing something, you might feel like the posture is right, but it's like, mm -mm. I mean, you could take a video of yourself, but that doesn't help you in the moment. You know, it's no different than recording your roles in jujitsu and going back and looking at it, but even still, having someone correct that in the moment is very important because you can get it right then and start to work on it then versus I know I've watched myself roll or drill a move and it really bad. And I was just like, I guess maybe I'm not built for that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm going to go do something else now. Yeah, exactly. But this is, I mean, this is also why we have jujitsu gyms, of course, and why if someone says that they have a blue belt from Gracie University or something, like, I'm sorry, but we're not going to take you seriously. <laughs> I, you know, I need to find one of those guys. I want to talk to them. I want to podcast, have a conversation. You know, not to like fuck with them. I, like, I want to know because yeah. I've always heard about, you know, Gracie University and, and the blue belts, you know, from there. And, Everything is like I need to know more details. Like, yeah, like share your knowledge or lack thereof. Yeah, and your experiences with that and stuff. Like, what is it like to like drill and move and like record a video with your housemate who doesn't train? And then you know, because <laughs> I feel like that is how it mostly is. But maybe I'm wrong, and maybe they have actually some valuable stuff to contribute. I don't know. Possibly, I I don't know that I've ever encountered one. I'm, I wonder how do I do that. I, I should know how to do this. I mean, I have the power of the internet. Just like, hey, you got a great uh, university blue belt? Come talk to me on my podcast. Yeah. Only yeah. people listen. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Like, no, 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 no. 800 people. What? <laughs> um, but yeah, it like, I, I can't imagine, you know, even just, you know, like during COVID. We we're doing a uh, Zoom jujitsu, you know, like our coach would be at the gym or in the living room or wherever and showing us moves. But it's like a lot of those things you can't really, you can like do the movements by yourself, but you're limited because, again, what, what are you really doing? You can't yep. really work on the triangle. You can't work on, you know, if you have a grappling dummy, you might be able to get away with some things. But even with that, you're still limited. So it's definitely important to have someone hands-on, you know, and for physical things like, again, yoga, Pilates, Jiu-Jitsu, longboarding, surfing, things like that. You need someone there to kind of work with you. 
but you know, if you're doing something that can be done online, such as sound editing, video editing, programming, stuff like this, like okay, you can have someone just kind of tell you, like, hey man, you know, you might want to tweak this here or there. You know, that's a little bit different. But all in all, um, you know, proper explanation and understanding is important yeah. to the matter. Yeah, absolutely. So um outside of uh, you know, all that we've discussed thus far with, you know, training and handling that to it. You said you were going to be moving back to England, England, to England, back to England. Yeah. Um, when, when's that taking place for you? Um, hopefully somewhere in the first two, three months of next year. Um, January is probably going to be a little bit difficult, but I hope, hope somewhere February at the latest March. So yeah, that, that would be, that would be ideal. I can't like, to be honest, I would probably move back if I could now, but I still have some stuff here that I have to do. Like I have a very important tattoo, tattoo appointment in December. <laughs> so, you know, I can't skip that. And also, uh, I don't know like how into like, you know, international politics and stuff you are, but the UK currently is a, is a bit of a, mess they are their third prime minister in a, in one year so you know they're really messing up right now and uh you know everybody is dealing with inflation but in the uk the inflation on gas and electricity it's like 251 percent or something in a single year so you know if i would move back now i probably would die from you know freezing to death or whatever <laughs> so you know i really have to see like what's going to happen in the, in the next month and everything but yeah hopefully february or march Something along those lines. Well, hopefully by that time they've got their shit together over there too, because that sounds fucking horrible. I I barely know what's going on in our politics over here, so I, I definitely don't know uh, international politics, world politics of any nature. Like I think I think our election day is uh, this coming Tuesday, and. Um, like I started reading up on the candidates and everything for governor and, and uh, Senate and, and things like that. Because like, you know, I, I want to be a good citizen. I want to I want to do my part. So I started reading up on everyone. But I, I, I'm kind of the example of why we shouldn't like like I think our voting process needs to be tweaked because I was looking at like, all right, who's good looking? All right, all right, that, that guy's got a chiseled you know, jawline. Look at this guy. Let's, let's see what he's about. Oh my God, that's not good. I was going off like off looks alone. That would have been terrible. Whew, I'm glad I read. Oh, look at this girl. She's pretty. Like, oh fuck. <laughs> I, I can't open. Oh no. So, but I, I I did actually do some homework and and look into who I was voting for, and I did my votes. I know people are probably now looking like, oh, like let's go look at shit in Maryland. Oh, he talked about that guy. He didn't vote for that guy. All right, I know who you voted for. Yeah. Um, I vote for who I vote for. Uh, to be I honest, when, when it comes down to politics and voting and stuff, by this point, I think we should all just stop. Like, stop voting, stop going anywhere. Because, I mean, if you look at America, like your political system with your two party system is, if you think about it, it's absolutely bizarre. Because most of the time, your country is about 50 50 divided. So, whether you win with like 50.1% or 50.8%, you know, it's, it's not a win. 
you know, and you can't rule a country if you only have 50% of the support. And and also, you know, if you really look at it, Democrats and Republicans are exactly the same. The Democrats are just Republicans light. Because in the end, if, if you look at it, like the, most of those politicians, they're career politicians, you know, they're in there because they earn a lot of money and they really like earning a lot of money. And they don't give a shit about you and they don't give a shit if they're called Republicans or Democrats, you know. And most of them are sponsored by the same people, you know, whether it's a Joe Biden or Donald Trump, it doesn't matter. They get paid by the same people. They get paid to say the same things. They're just packaging it in, you know, different wording, but there's no real difference. And there's never, as long as, you know, there's a lot of people saying like, oh, well, if you don't vote, then you don't have the right to complain. But in my opinion, if you don't vote, you're actually doing a good job because voting doesn't matter. It really doesn't, I think, in my fair opinion. <laughs> And it's the same everywhere. It's the same in the UK. It's the same in the Netherlands. Uh, when was it? Like earlier this year, I think. I wasted 13 hours of a day watching, yeah, I'm not even joking, watching a political debate back in the Netherlands. There was a unanimous vote of no confidence against the prime minister who has been there for way longer than he should. Like every single day is too long of him, you know, even existing in politics, let alone being the fucking prime minister. And uh, there was so there was a unanimous vote of no confidence. So there was this big 13 hour debate and it was brilliant. They were absolutely ripping this asshole a new one. And it was great. And I loved it. And by the end of it, they had to give their final vote. And they said, ah, you know what? We'll just give him another chance. And I was just there like, you're all corrupt as hell. Because if you had actually, actually meant your vote of no confidence, you would have just kicked him out like straight away. But you all didn't. So what is this about? Why are we voting if this is what the game that they play? Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I was, I was trying to figure out how to pull it out of you. I was like, how do we get to this? How do I get to this topic with her? Because like, like, we've had these conversations in, in the direct message. So it's like, how do I get it out of you? <laughs> um, no, I, I don't completely disagree at all. Um, like I vote like local, you know, like on a smaller circuit, because like okay, you know, like county executive shit like that, sheriff, school board, those things. Because it's like you know what, those might have some direct, like legit direct effects on my day. So let me go ahead and vote for this shit because I need to make sure. Like, look, man, I'm not the best driver. I might get a ticket or five. I gotta make sure the sheriff over there understands. Like Dante's a little dumb. Like, have some patience with him. Um, not someone that would say Dante deserves to be let go because he's stupid, but just like, look, understand this guy. You know, he's not doing it because he's a bad guy. He's doing it because he's just a little dumb. Like, punish him in a way that, you know, won't completely fucking cripple his family. But, you know, when it comes to, you know, the bigger picture of it, it's like, I think it's, it's been going around the last couple of days, especially like the, one thing they like, if you have like red ants and black ants in the bag, they're all just kind of cool. They're coexisting. But if you shake the bag up, then they attack each other because they think the other one started it and it becomes this massive thing. That's what we have here in the U.S. right now, it seems, you know, where again, people are like, oh, you know, we're prepping for a civil war and, you know, you know, blame everything on Biden, blame everything on Trump, blame everything on Obama, blame everything on Reagan. It's like, Jesus Christ, dude. Like, I mean, we're kind of at fault too because we played we played along. 
you know, yeah. we didn't experience with them. So, yeah. you know, we can say blame these these lightning rods, these figureheads, but you know, and it's not just the presidents though, because the presidents, you know, again, when something goes wrong, we look at the president, but it's like you know, things have to be voted on and approved by like you know other you know politicians like the, our representatives and senators and what have you, but. You know, as soon as something goes one way, we're like, oh, it's the president's fault. Or if something goes right, it's like, well, the president did that. That's good. Well, not this president. Like, that came from the last president. Like, that didn't come from this president. Yeah, but it's happening now. Yeah, well, there's this carryover. And da da da. You have to understand how this cycle of this thing works. And it's like, I don't, you know, I don't. It's always funny that whenever these types of topics come up, actually, Everyone on Facebook becomes a political, like, science major. I was like, dude, I'm pretty sure that Wanda works at Walmart. <laughs> like, like, what are you talking about now? Like, like Uncle Gary, oh, that dude, he's been drunk for most of the month. And, like, all of a sudden, he knows everything about politics. Sometimes those are the ones that be knowing, though, those drunk ones, because they like, it's just so silly. They just can't help but get drunk. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I do with the, I, I really do that end analogy that you had with the red and the black ends. I really like that one. I, I've heard it a couple of times and it is really true because I think that is exactly what you say. It is also what we do. Like we start attacking the other and we become, you know, I think social media really contributes to that. And especially like how social media algorithms work, because if you look at one video on TikTok or Instagram or whatever, and you like that video, it's starting to show you more of that content and sometimes more extreme forms of that contact content as well. And it kind of starts like automatically blocking out other content that is opposed to the contact that the content that you like. So you kind of start, you know, sitting in this echo chamber. And uh, but then on top of that, the stuff that we usually see on social media, it's quite mild. But if you if you like content and at some point that content gets blocked for example because you know it goes against the values of the platform that you're on then you're going to start looking for that content in other places of the internet where there are less restrictions where they're probably going to give you more extreme content like for example if you are if you identify as an incel or whatever you know uh, involuntary cel celibate and you go on on Instagram, you can find some incel stuff on there. You know, we had Andrew Tate for a real long time. That was really fueling that incel, you know, mindset, you know. Uh, but he's been blocked now. You know, he's been banned from all those platforms. So people start looking for that information in other places. They're going to stumble upon incel forums. And they're going to stumble upon, like, uh, incel.eo, or I think it is, or whatever, where they have such extreme content where you know they will literally talk like talk about like glorifying people who murder women for example or like where they will say that you know uh, women are terrible because they would rather you know have sex with a dog than with a human male blah 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 so you know and and we're we're like social media and stuff and also we as users we're perpetuating people to like you know go into corners and never get out of there and I think one of the most bad things that we say is like, well, you know, social media platforms, they're, they're private companies. They can do what they want, right? So if, it, and sure, that is true. If they don't want certain content on their platform, they can ban it. But on the other hand, is that really what we want? Because 
by banning content, you know, you're forcing people to go to like extreme corners of the internet where they will never see the light of any other information, you know, that, that may change their mind. And then on top of that, I don't know if you've seen that, but recently there is actually uh, an article leaked and now I can't really remember what the news source was, but I can definitely like, you know, come back to this at some point or, you know, in private message or whatever. Um, but it was actually leaked that governments uh, on purpose will contact uh, like companies like Facebook and stuff and Instagram and tell them to, you know, block like false, uh, false news, you know, like fake news or like uh, perspectives that they don't even like. So, you know, it's not even that 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 social social media platforms that they ban stuff because it goes against their guidelines. They can actually be requested by government organizations to ban certain content. You know, then, then what direction are we headed in? You know, we're headed into a 1984 uh, Fahrenheit 451 kind of direction, but we just don't see it because we justify it as well. It's a private company; they can do whatever they want. But we are just creating. All we're doing is creating division in society by blocking out some voices and accepting and pushing other voices. And then we get the red and the black end situation. And it's not us shaking the bag. It's someone up there shaking the bag. But we just see, all we see is like red and black. And that, you know. And, and but this is, I, I, in my personal opinion, I think this is what governments want. Because if you have division in a society, they're never going to stand up to the people who are actually the problem. So it's perfect. Yeah, I was seeing, you know, there's um, some protests going on. That's in Brazil, maybe. Yeah. Um, I think. I'm on social media, but I'm not on social media. You know, it's like basically I'm in my own echo chamber where my echo chamber is American football because it's that time of year. Uh, twerk videos because I like big booties. And, um, <laughs> um, uh, horror movies. So any of the other stuff that's going on in the world, I don't know because I'm being fed information about sports, scary movies and big butts. <laughs> and and the thing is, you know, when I do come across something else that seems like, oh wait, that might be important. Like, what's going on here? Like, there, there's a you know an uprise going on, you know, down here. And you know, I look at this like, dude, that's that's got to really really suck, you know, to be those citizens. But then at the same time, you know, good for them for standing up. Um, and then I look here at the U.S. and I think about it, it's like. Again, we're like 50-50. We're divided down the middle where, you know, you have, you know, and the, the thing that's really funny is I don't even know if it's really that that clear cut because you have people that are way far left and way far right that are making all this noise. Then there's a bunch of us in the middle of that pile that's just like, look, man, just, you know, be cool to each other. You know, yeah. like, quit with my tax money. I need my 401k money back, you know, yeah. like, quit bullshitting me and and just, you know, be good to each other. Um, you know, it's just so, so many people just out for themselves and, and, and it's, I don't know, it, it's sad because I know I joke about like, our, I think our Powerball lottery is at, it should be at 2 billion by the time it runs next, I think on Monday, maybe or Tuesday, it should be at two, $2 billion, $2 billion lottery. And it's like. You know, I joke with my wife. I was like, if I won that, I mean, I don't need because it's going to get taxed down, so you'll get a billion. I was like, I don't need a billion dollars. Like, 
but I would, you know, I want to help the fuck out of a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, and still make sure, you know, you're taking care of your own business and take care of life at home. But, you know, I, I look at like our politicians, these motherfuckers have that power. They have that ability. Yeah. And they're just like, nah, you know, we're not helping people. And, you know, they'll do stuff where they say they're helping people. And it's like, yeah, it, it's not helping though. You're, you're putting on a, a fake you know, fake smile, making it seem like you're helping. Yeah. And all you're doing is making it worse. And sometimes you might help one group. And it, it's almost like they know, like, if I help this group, I know we're going to piss off another group. So let's just do it anyway. It's like, why not just help everybody? I think, and I, I don't know this fully because I, I don't know shit about politics. But I know our governor, our previous governor, Larry Hogan, a lot of people weren't fond of the guy. A lot of people really enjoyed the guy because they felt like, look, he played down the middle. He was a Republican governor and Maryland's typically a Democratic state. Um, and, you know, I, I think he did things where it wasn't like, look, I'm favoring conservatives. I'm just trying to favor Marylanders. And I think some people are like, well, you should help more, these, more of us on the liberal side. And you got people saying you should help more of us on the uh, conservative side, and he's like, "Look, I'm trying to help all you motherfuckers. Like, it's not a red versus blue. Like, mm-hmm. this is a Maryland thing. So, I'm trying to help us. And that's what I wish our politicians would just do: say, like, look, I want to help us get better. And I know for some people, they say, well, in in a lot of cases, the only way you can really start to help us get better is to take those lower portions and start building them up, which unfortunately tend to be predominantly black areas." But it's like you can still help those areas and still kind of take care of the rest as well. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. I'm not a politician though. I don't know. I, I don't work in the budget. I don't know if you know this, Andy, but I'm I'm not I'm not a budget keeper. <laughs> um but I, I just think we're in this weird thing where all this shit's going on around us. We're all fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, these guys up top are getting rich off our backs and you know none of them give a fuck like red or blue and you know the the thing is also like it would in my opinion look i'm not a politician thank god and i'm also not a politic politics uh, specialist or whatever but i do do a lot of thinking about these topics and i honestly that i think obviously as i already said for one i think we should all stop voting because you know let's let's just see what happens then but i also i think this whole political system should just be upended you know because right now it is career politicians who have a lot of money and their main aim is just to get wealthier themselves and to help out wealthy people like there's very few politicians who actually give a crap about like poor people you know because if they did give a crap they would change something in the taxes they would change something in a minimum wage you know they would give companies the support to increase wages and you know all this kind of stuff but there's none of that out there there's maybe like i don't know there's a handful of politicians who probably do actually have good intentions but the majority does not and it's the same all across the board because wherever you look it's politicians who get so 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 much money and if you really want to have politicians with heart who are there to help people and not just you know stuff their own pockets full of taxpayer money what you should do is just cut those wages down like make politician a minimum wage job or like not maybe not minimum but like a little bit above minimum you know and uh also 
make sure that people are not allowed to spend their whole lives in politics. Like a Nancy Pelosi, for example, why the hell is that woman that looks like she died yesterday? Why is she still having any kind of influence on the lives of people who still have their whole lives ahead of them? You know, it doesn't make sense. You need people who not like people who are 21 who don't have any life experience but people who are still young enough that they actually still have their whole lives ahead of them that they're still capable of changing their minds of, on things to be progressive who earn in politics like a, a minimum wage or just a little bit above minimum and who are not in politics for any longer than i don't know maximum 10 15 years and that is a large a long time spent already in my opinion you know let them be there for i don't know 10 years small wage and then the people who will go into politics will be people who actually have heart for making the world a better place for people but right now it's just a honey trap for people who probably already are wealthy and just are looking to increase their wealth i couldn't agree more and and so we uh, the thing is i feel like a good deal of us know this we're aware of this then it becomes a question of Okay, you know, your suggestion is like everybody stop voting. You know, the unfortunate thing is with that is, you know, a bunch of us say, all right, you're right, let's stop voting. But then they're going to be the various ones that are like, aha, but it's still there. We're going to vote. <laughs> We're going to get our guy in. It's like, oh fuck, yeah. You know, he's got control of the nukes. Um, but it, you know, it's like I think a bunch of us we are aware and, and, and agree with like the system is fucking trash. You know, you got people like, well, whenever, whenever people criticize the United States, the next thing I hear out of people's mouths is like, well, go find somewhere better. Like, go try living in North Korea. Go try living in, you know, Cambodia. You know, they, they list all these places that are fucking horrible. It's like, Finland's pretty nice. <laughs> like, why didn't you suggest that one? Like, Germany I hear is like good now, you know. It sounds like it's pretty nice over there. Yeah, yeah I got I got a couple of friends from Germany that are over here that you know, they're like, yeah, it's really good over there. You know, and then people are like, well, why are you here then? Oh, well, you know, you know, I want to you know spread my wings. You know, like trust me, there are Americans over in, in Germany as well. <laughs> you know, it's like people always want to suggest the worst case scenario, and it's like, well, why don't you suggest the best case scenarios too? You yeah, know? like because the world like. Outside of the U.S., I don't know if people know this. Outside of the U.S., there is like, you know, you know, promise out there. Um, and they're present places. So, but as soon as you criticize the U.S., people are like, "Well, leave." And and that's for both parties. You know, whenever you know, a, you know, Democratic president gets in, and you know, people are like, "I'm moving," and then they don't move, and then Republican president gets in, then you got Democratic voters like, "I'm leaving." It's like, <laughs> It's not that easy to just pack up and move. Yeah. First off, yeah. and second off, you're not leaving. Like you, like you gotta do it. Like you know, um, you know, citizenship and all that shit. Like it, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's not, it's not an easy process, dummies. Yeah, yeah. true. And it also it, it shows another thing. Like this mentality of like, oh my my guy didn't get into office. 
therefore I'm leaving. It also shows this mentality of that people don't actually want to put any effort into bringing on change. And I think this is such a problem. Like there are many of us who disagree with the system as it is, whether that system is just politics, whether that system is like capitalism, you know, it doesn't really matter, but none of us actually really want to put in the effort to make a change. And I think the, 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 the quote from Malcolm X, uh here that that immediately comes to mind i shared it on my story actually earlier today and it's really fitting here as well it's like we don't lack numbers we lack organization like we're not outnumbered we're out organized that is the exact quote and i really think that is that that is what happened what is happening because there is a lot of uh, there are a lot of people who are unhappy with like how we are forced to live our lives how our political political systems work most of us feel tired and unhappy and depressed and we feel locked up in the system as it is and you know we feel this this pressure of like you know your bills always competing with your salary and stuff you know all the prices go up but our salaries do not go up you know and everything is like tighter and tighter and uh, but at the same time most of us if we have our netflix account and you know we have our flaming hot doritos or stuff or something and at the end of the day we can open the bag of doritos you know and watch our netflix with our feet up somewhere on the table you know the rest of the world can burn we completely forget that we are unhappy with the system because you know we watch a dumb video and we have some dumb snacks so and i think this is really a problem it's it's you know what the romans already said panametsir senses Give the people bread and give the people games, and you can just fuck them around. That's a big fact there, my friend. <laughs> Let's wrap this up because I got a feeling right now I'm, I'm about to get canceled. Like, <laughs> hey, how dare you? Um, but, how dare but, you have an opinion? Oh my <laughs> goodness. Well, yeah, how dare you have an opinion that doesn't agree with mine? It's like, oh, <laughs> I mean, like, like, look, let me just tell you. If you all knew what was fucking going on up inside this fucking grapefruit brain of mine, like you guys would be like, oh my god, <laughs> this guy really likes fucking circus clowns. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with him? Oh yeah, um, that's, that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> like, trust me, I asked my therapist this every time. Like, like, am I gonna be okay? She's like, um, so how are your grandparents doing? Like, you avoid that fucking question. That's a yes or no. Like, like, why do you hate me? Yeah, so um, how's your daughter? Like, you wanted to answer that. Um, this this has been good. This has been fun. And two years is too long. Yeah. And I have you on the show. So we got to do this again. And um, I'll, come with, I'll come with some actual, like, homework and studying this time. So we, we can get back into this topic. And I'm like, all right, I'm ready for this. I'm just going to start throwing facts at you. <laughs> Before we get out of here, you got any shout outs or mentions you'd like to throw out there? Uh, yes, there is actually. Uh, you know that I'm a really big fan of like charity organizations and stuff. And uh, there's one project that I think definitely deserves a shout out, and it's called uh, uh, oh shit, I'm, I'm gonna mispronounce this because it's a Brazilian name. So my apologies in advance, but I think it's pronounced uh, Terere Kids Project. The way you write it is a T-E-R-E-R-E, -E -E, Kids Project. And uh, they are a brilliant organization. Um, they help, uh, they're, they're located in uh, Rio de Janeiro in uh, Brazil, of course. And they help uh, kids in uh, favelas to, uh, you know, 
to be away from like you know environments of drugs and violence and stuff and they're offering kids a safe environment to learn jiu-jitsu and also like you know learn uh, how to be like good not just productive members of society but like members of society who actually you know go on to be like leaders of the community and stuff and the guy um, who uh, who started the project, he is, uh, you know, he grew up in the favela as well. And he was the first one from that kind of social background to actually make a name for himself in the jiu-jitsu community. He went through a whole situation of like drug abuse and all this kind of stuff. But he, uh, he just completely got over that. And I think it's such a brilliant project. And I think really that people like this need to have more attention in the world. Not our presidents, but definitely people like this who actually, you know, who actually contribute to society and actually try to do something good. So, yeah, that is the shout out that I would like to give. Thank you. I'll make sure to put that in the show notes um, if there are any uh, tags or anything. I'll make sure to get those in the notes. And as always, everybody who's listening, thank you for support. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for everything. If y'all have any questions, concerns, criticisms, want to be a guest even, reach out to me. You can find me at bjj.wiki on Instagram or Off The Mats Podcast on Instagram. I've been checking that email lately, uh, offthemats2020 at gmail.com. Y'all can send stuff there too. I I keep telling y'all I don't check email, but I've been checking that the last month now. Y'all can send me no emails. I've been getting a lot of weird stuff from like, like Pakistan and stuff asking about you know if i want to buy some these but other than that you know send me some emails too um you know i'll read them this time i want to give a big shout out to my good friends over there at nerve age radio bobby chris joe and even Marilyn phil love you too buddy um those guys got me started with podcasting i've been uh, on the show quite a bit lately with them and Marilyn, Phil, and Joe have been doing quite a few episodes with me on So You Like Horror and um, even here on Off The Mets upcoming. So, uh, you know, love you guys. I appreciate everything there. Also, I want to give a shout out to my other podcast, So You Like Horror. If you like scary movies, go check it out. We talked about The Exorcist recently, the newest Halloween installment, the newest Hellraiser installment. Uh, we're having a lot of fun over there, so go check it out if you like that kind of stuff. If you don't, then don't, don't. But you know, but if you do, go check it out, and then you know, give me a follow on Instagram. So you like horror? All the words are separated by underscores. Um, otherwise, I appreciate the fuck out of everyone. You guys are great. I love you all. You guys keep listening to the show, and I'm gonna keep making. It. Thanks, everybody, and bye. They publish it. Now let me see his song.